Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams. And Elizabeth Wallace. And you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 41. And tonight we're recapping Welcome to Night Vale, Episode 90, Who's a Good Boy, Part 2, which is the Season 4 finale. Can you believe it's been four years? Four, four years. Four years. Hard to believe. Very good uh, season finale episode, I think. Bring yeah. back a lot of callbacks to all of our favorites, and everybody pitches in, and we have no idea what it was they did that actually worked, which seems nope. appropriate. Yeah, yeah, sounds about right for Night Vale. Yeah, the episode started up exactly where the last episode left off, with the beagle puppy towering over Cecil and breathing hard. In fact, the intro music was actually cut off by the sound of the puppy breathing, which is yeah, it's a nice like that, shocker. That breathing noise, I really didn't like that sound at all. No, I think no. He, they, the, uh, Cecil was doing way too good of a job conveying what that sound was like. And Cecil said that he wished that he could say that there had been this epic battle with like a sword fight, complete with like kicking in the chest and destroying the sword and the puppy explodes in a ball of white light and doves. And <laughs> I think he said, I don't own a sword. Doves aren't real, and I tripped while I was trying to run away. So that sounds about right. Yeah, I think so. Sounds accurate. So good for him for not playing it up otherwise, though. Yeah. But interesting, what kind of saved him at that moment was Sheriff Sam appeared behind him, and he's still saying they. Yeah. Every time he talks about Sam. Every time. Even to the point where it's starting to make me think it's almost like the they with city council or station management. It almost sounds like Sam is a different entity. I mean, I know that they were trying to keep the gender vague because, you know, it's nobody's business, but I don't know. It's odd. Yeah, it is definitely because I'm I'm positive at some point they said she a couple times, you know, and if you want to pick the gender binary, that's fine. If you don't, that's fine, too. But it is starting to jump out at me a lot every time he does. It. But they run into the city council building, and city council was actually there in the building. In the middle of a crisis. That's pretty amazing. And then they said something that was really startling. We have reopened the dog park. God, that's just... Uh, it's it's funny, after being with Night Vale for so many years, there are certain phrases that they can say that are going to make you jump out of your skin, and just saying that they've opened the dog park, you're like, yipe! <laughs> it doesn't happen every day. But then Cecil sort of broke away to give us the traffic. The traffic was actually the instructions for how to get out of the city council building, in through the grading, and out to the back where Mayor Dana Cardinal had a car waiting. So that was today's traffic. It's a, probably the most elegant traffic I've ever heard so, on yeah, night not bad. Very good. Yeah, yeah. And so Cecil had been trying to think before they got away, he was trying to think... These beings, they aren't anything. The strangers are nothing. That's what, you know, that's what they've they become. They are nothing and they want nothing. Right. What would be good to defeat something that technically doesn't exist? Ah. So when we come back... <laughs> I think we know what that is. Oh, yeah, definitely. We come back afterwards and uh, he's gone to see Old Woman Josie. But first he had to make a mention about the fact that he went to check on Kashik and the kittens when he was in the radio oh. station before he had to run out to try to report and save the day. And they're gone. He couldn't find them anywhere. Uh, And then he had to make a side mention that all the bathrooms in the radio station are now unisex, which is great because it means everyone can visit Koshek. And I'm just, okay, guys, I'm in North Carolina. I think that's a damn good idea because it never occurred to me before that women in the radio station would not be able to visit Koshek if you passed (laughs) a damn law making sure that women couldn't go into the men's restroom. I mean, yeah, yeah. personal preference aside, do we need a law? I don't think we need a law. But I end, don't think we end, need a law. End of political discussion there. Damn straight. But then he actually goes to Old Woman Josie, and then he's asking about Erica, 
because once again, you know, what, what can defeat a being that doesn't exist? How about another being that doesn't exist? So he asked to speak to Erica. She's like, which Erica? He's like, all of the Ericas. And all of the Ericas shown up. And there are probably about a half dozen of them. And I liked how he said that they he could hear a cello and smell confectioner's sugar. So in case you're wondering what angels sound like and smell like, now we know. Yep. And there was also, when he acknowledged the existence of angels, they everybody had to jump for a bit because they heard the angel acknowledgement siren. But he figured that the, you know, ever the police were probably a little busy to deal with one radio station host acknowledging the existence of angels. Yeah. And uh, he talked to the angels. I guess he talked to them about defeating. What did did they actually have a conversation about what was going to happen there, or did he just acknowledge that he actually acknowledged the angels? And I know that the angels were talking about. Well, if you want something that definitely doesn't count as nothing in one of the Erica's is like, we're not going to have this argument with you again, Erica. So the <laughs> angels definitely fuss with each other just a little bit from time to time. Yeah, and he talked to the angels and he wanted to know, you know, we just need to do something. If what they want is nothing, then we make sh- must make sure that we are always doing something. And then their light increased in the room, which he took to mean a yes from the angels. There you go. He broke away for a minute to give us the horoscope. The stars are silent. That's the horoscope. They're not telling us anything, so. No. But they're driving away, and he's in the car with Dana, and he's like, well, we could really use all the firepower we get. Maybe we should talk to Hiram and offer him a deal. And Dana's like, no deal. She is, uh uh-uh. Nope. She is not going to. Not open for discussion at all. She's open to asking for his help. She's not cutting him a deal. No. And then we actually got to the front of the dog park. And this was where we had a bunch of callbacks to stuff that we've seen all throughout the years. They were standing in front of the dog park with the leader of the Church of the Smiling God was there, of which there are many Desert Bluff and even Night residents are part of that church now. Yep. And uh, there was Tamika Flynn with her uh, militia. Yep. Uh, the president of the uh, community college, I believe, which is a smooth fist-sized river rock yep. was there. Uh, there was John Peters, you know, the farmer, and also yeah, yeah. John Peter. Remember? The pharmacist? <laughs> is that new? I think that's new. <laughs> no, no. We've heard that once before. I remember hearing it before. I'm like, oh my God. Seriously, you guys? Okay, <laughs> fine. <laughs> so they all join hands together and they're all kind of chanting prayers and asking for help and some of the prayers are kind of like the ones that he remember from the when he was at school the torah school defense defense (laughs) and then we get to the center of town and they confront the strangers and they're all standing there breathing at them and the battle is joined and all of a sudden, Hiram McDaniels is there, and the angels are there, oh. and everyone's joining into battle. It's just really exciting. <laughs> it was awesome, yes. It was a very great moment there, especially, you know, he had heard the sound of wings above him, and then he hears the sounds of lizard wings, and Hiram is just this big, dramatic entrance. It was very cool. Yeah, I oh, want to hey, see- traffic noise. Yeah, everybody yeah, drink. Everybody drink. <laughs> yeah, fan fiction artist, get on that. I want to see a picture of the battle. Yeah, and at one point... You've got Sheriff Sam seems to be turning into one of the strangers behind him because the sound of the beagle is actually coming from them. And Steve, you know, you hear the beagle saying, who's a good boy? And Steve Carlsberg like, am I the good boy? And everybody basically has to grab him to keep him from getting dragged away. It was just all very tense. And then Cecil looks up and he said, I noticed how calm the weather was. That wasn't calm. The weather was... And then we go to the weather. <laughs> what was the name and the uh, artist for this one again? It was actually Aaron McCown. McCown? 
uh, I'm not sure, I'm probably not pronouncing that correctly, my apologies, and uh, it's called The Queer Gospel, but it was really... It, it did yeah. sound like a gospel tradition also, I like that. Yeah, yeah, it, it was really neat, it was kind of like all about like not judging people by what you think of as their sexuality or their spirituality and everything, and just sort of like a kind of acceptance of oneself, it was really nice, it was yes, cool. It was. So we get back from the weather, and the day has been saved. Yay! And it is kind of the problem that you want to have, is that there were so many different ways that the day could have been saved, and everybody was using them, so nobody knows what it was that actually did it. No, because we've got Janice had was certain it was Tamika Flynn and her book-wielding uh, vigilantes. Um, Chad thinks that the reversal spell that he did was what worked. Uh, the, our favorite, of course, was that Kashik and the kittens showed up in the bathroom again and he seemed to have a piece of dog fur caught between his teeth so yeah there was also Hiram McDaniels went into battle the angels went into battle we don't know in uh, in in service uh, in payment for his service to the town Hiram McDaniels is not pardoned he's still scheduled for execution yep they took him back to prison so sorry Hiram oh, I guess we yeah. still have some more story yep and then after that, uh, Cecil sort of heard from the faceless old woman. Um, and she said, what was it she said? She said that the strangers, we didn't drive them away. They left on their own. Yeah, her theory is that none of it worked, that we don't, there's no reason for why they came here. And there's no reason for why they left. They just decided to go. Yeah, yeah. And then what was the line after that? Because it was kind of the, the line that wrapped up the episode. And it was about not not having control, I guess. Yeah, and it's Night Vale. We live with the illusion of safety, that we can use caution and care in order to preserve our lives. The strangers came, and we don't know why. And then they went, and we don't know why. We are always in danger. It was just that while they were here, we were made aware of the danger. They simply revealed to us that personal control is an illusion. Now, I think that's a little grim, but it yeah. also seems... A little topical, because I think a lot of times yeah. we convince ourselves that if we do everything right, we will have a perfectly safe and completely happy life. And unfortunately, life doesn't always work like that. So No, no. And it's what you had asked me when you had read that to me before we started recording. Of course, at time of this recording, it has been a week since the shooting in Orlando. So chances are very good that, you know, this episode was recorded long before that happened. I don't know what the recording schedule is, but it is interesting that the, the weather was the queer gospel, which I thought was, was cool. But then this, you know, um, I don't know if you heard the interesting news that's sort of floating around right now. Mara Wilson is the voice of the faceless old woman. She was not on this episode, um, but... Um, it's, it's the actress, if you didn't know Mara Wilson, is actually the actress uh, who played Matilda when she was much younger. And this past week, in the wake of the Orlando shootings, she actually kind of came out as being bi, which just was kind of like a response to that and kind of like solidarity and everything, which I thought was really very right, cool. Because I think a lot of times what we're hearing in the political discourse is everyone trying to push this as just an attack from a religion and that the... Yeah 
sexual identity of the people who were attacked doesn't matter because that way you can disregard anything that you might have said against that, you know, particular gender or sexuality right. or whatever. And no, I don't think that's good. I think we have no. to, we have to face this head on that it, what, it, what exactly the goal. Yeah. And I, yeah, a lot of people are jumping up and down on the fact that, you know, the shooter was uh, pledging allegiance to ISIS and everything, but from apparently this guy, you know, just as an everyday day to day person is a bigot and a racist and a woman hating douchebag um so yeah we can't really write this off on religion i think we got to write it off just plain as hate so let's try and work on that yeah folks can we yeah yeah but then that was you know we're getting towards the end of the episode which was surprisingly upbeat for such a grim message Mm -hmm. but we were we're going into the proverb and the closing remarks and everything and i'm looking at that and i'm like Catherine, we've got like two more minutes of the episode left. And who shows up? It's Kevin. Kevin Ah! is back. (laughs) He's back on the air. He's in the desert other world. And they have rebuilt a new town that they're calling Desert Bluffs 2. That's T-O-O, not number two, in case you're wondering. He said they did consider calling it Desert Bluffs 2, but uh, he said they decided against that because it was too charming, and they're not at that level of charming yet. They need to build to that level of charming, and one day they will be so charming it will hurt. And yeah. that's the end oh, of the episode. So. That's it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that was fun. It was neat to hear the Desert Bluffs radio station intro music, too. I'm like, oh, I don't think we've heard that all year. No, that's we awesome. haven't. So, yeah, I don't yeah. think we've heard from Kevin ever since that alternate timeline or, or getting to talk to the past Kevin and finding out that he was actually one of the people that tried to fight Strex Corps from taking over Desert Bluffs. In the yeah. Beginning. Was that was that this year or was that last year? I really don't remember. I can't even how, remember. How long ago was the He's Holding a Cat? Was that two years ago or a I year ago? I think it was. It was very close because I think, wasn't that around when you and I started recording? That was old oak door. Uh, that was one of the old oak, oak doors episode. Yeah, yeah, I think that was one yeah. of the first ones that we have recorded. So. Wow, crazy man! Time flies. So that was the end of the episode. So now we're done. Yeah, so we got to the end, but yeah. <laughs> well, can't really say much more about Amazon Prime and not getting those last seasons of True Blood and uh, Hannibal that we haven't no. already said before. So <laughs> we're definitely going to be jumping up and down on that one for a please, while. Please, <laughs> please, please don't make us beg. Yeah. Uh, to try to fill in the gaps, I've been Nathan and I have been watching Cowboy Bebop. That's been oh, nice. a hell of a lot of fun. Do you know anything about that anime? You know, only a little bit. I actually saw there's a Ken Cinema here in town. That's where I go to see the midnight movies. Mm-hmm. But I remember years and years ago they actually showed the cowboy bebop movie there i had never watched the show i was so lost i had no clue what was going on i should have should have prepared a little bit because i was like that was interesting (laughs) no idea yeah it's it's almost it's well it's bounty hunters but almost seems very western in places you could tell that the main character is sort of influenced by western the whole western genre and everything but right it's also set in the far future with travel between different planets so every planet every space station you go to has some little idiosyncrasy that looks so great in animation and i think we just watched the sixth episode and we've finally seen them be able to cash in on a bounty because for the first few episodes they fail to get the bounty in each time usually not their fault but it's just like we're just watching these episodes going are they gonna get paid anytime soon i mean they've got to be living off of ramen noodles and bean sprouts at this point 
I think isn't that what most bounty hunters live off of? I think that's their standard diet. Could be. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's fun, and I like the animation, and the music's been very interesting because it's all over the place. A episode before the one we watched tonight was a had was a heavy metal theme because it was a space trucker. Nice. Now, on a much grimmer tone, I am almost done with season two of The Fall, and I don't know if there is a season three. So I've seriously got like 45 minutes of the last episode, and I don't know if I should be expecting everything to get wrapped up or if we've got more to come. So I'm very nervous right now. But wow, Jillian Anderson's character is awesome and a little sad in places. Like, she's definitely not... She's a person you admire, but you wouldn't necessarily want to be her, I think. I think they've played it really, really well. Well, there there seemed um, to be a balance of, of... I don't know, niceness and intelligence and happiness. And you can't max out on all of those. So you've got to yeah. lose you've got to lose either niceness or happiness sometimes, and sometimes both. So if you're gonna be really intelligent. Yeah, she's also sort of brought up the idea, I guess, you know, she's very like sexually, she gets what she wants, you know, and she does what she wants, that's fine. And she doesn't feel the need to establish connections, which is cool, but it's also kind of like you don't have to establish connections if you don't want to. Does that possibly make your life a little lonelier? Yeah, yeah. So, but um, she did, but there's a line, you've probably seen it from some of the commercials where someone's, she's talking to someone and she's saying, you know, a woman asked a man, why do men feel threatened by women? And he responded, they're afraid that women will laugh at them. And then they asked a group of women why they were afraid of men. And they said, we're afraid they'll kill us. So it was just, that's, that's kind of where Jillian Anderson's character is coming from in a real no-nonsense way some of the time. But yeah, interesting show. Very cool. Yeah, I still couldn't, I haven't been able to make it past the first episode because that first episode of the first season ended on such a grim and unsettling note. I was just like, well, well, I don't think I have the moral fortitude for this one right now, but maybe I'll try again later. (laughs) I'm not sure it ever gets worse than that. It definitely doesn't get better than that, but that might be, in terms of the things that scare you personally with the police not being able to help Help you when you're like you can hear them outside the door i don't think that necessarily happens again plenty of other grim things do happen though i will say that Ugh. but of course i've also watched two seasons of hannibal since then so maybe i've built up a tolerance at this point you might have yeah that's that'll probably be the next thing i'll, I'll have to take a look at i actually it's funny had you ever actually watched the last three episodes of buffy the vampire slayer um Shoot, I know I watched the last one. Yeah, I've okay. watched at least the last two, possibly the last okay. three. Why? I, for such a huge Buffy fan, I mean, like the last season, it had gone over to the UPN and Joss Whedon wasn't really at the helm anymore. And I just, ugh, I really didn't care for it. I did at some point read all the recaps for the last few episodes, but I had never actually watched it. And so I finally just the other day decided enough is enough. And I watched it. I think it was a really, you know, yes, I had read the recaps, so I knew what happened. But yeah, they, they wrapped it up pretty good. I think it was neat. And there was a, a great moment with Anya and Andrew and uh, they're kind of like, you know, Anya's all no-nonsense, and Andrew's kind of like scared little wussy kid and everything, and they're getting supplies out of this old beat-up hospital and everything, and they're having this conversation about how, you know, this is probably the end, and it is a very grim and serious conversation, and Andrew's like, so, wheelchair fight? And then you see both of them, and they're like in wheelchairs, bumping each other, wearing like, you know, makeshift helmets and everything, you know, giving battle cries, just for like a second, and I was just like, Oh, that was adorable. (laughs) There was also a great moment. You know, it's in the middle of a battle. Buffy looks like she's going to be defeated. And boom, who shows up? Angel. And I was like, oh, my God, David Boreanaz. Oh, he's so young. Holy crap. (laughs) I know. I see every once in a while they've got the um, 
shoot, what was his show that he did? Bones. Yeah, they show oh, that the syndication on uh, uh, the TV when I'm at the gym every once in a while. And I'm like, wow, he's aged a bit, hasn't he? Yeah, is you know, I, I can't remember. Is Bones still going on? I don't, I don't know. think it is. I don't think it I is. No, it may, it may be, but I haven't watched it for a while because I just, after a while, I just thought the writing... I don't know. I remember there was some particular episode that I didn't care for. But then there was also the bit where apparently he cheated on his wife and he was paying this chick to keep quiet about it. And I'm like, and that's not in the show. That's like actually in real oh, life. I'm like, oh, how disappointing. David. God. <laughs> anyway. So have you checked out uh, in other like tertiary geeky news and everything? Have you checked out the first issue of Till All or One? No. Uh, this Friday, which is actually going to be the day after this episode drops, um, I'm scheduled to go to the comic book store for my once every other week trip because I don't like to creep out the comic book people by showing up too often saying, do you have it yet? Do you have it now? (laughs) That's very nice of you. That's good. But uh, I'll be getting it then. So, but you uh, reviewed it on the website and I have not read it, read your review yet because I don't want to be spoiled for what happened. So how is it? Very good. I enjoyed it a lot. So it's written by McGird Scott, who has done several uh, books over in IDW, excellently written, uh, very interesting, picks up where Windblade left off so it's really kind of like looking at Cybertron it's you know technically we've got peace but nobody's very happy Um, and there are a lot of Decepticons who would dearly love the war to start back up again and um, so it's kind of dealing with all that and with Starscream who seems to be losing it because all right, so he was talking to Bumblebee a couple issues ago, and I was like, when did they get to be so chummy? This is what happens when you don't read like the regular Transformers line I had to have you tell me that Bumblebee actually got killed a while ago. Yeah, he was killed towards the end of the Dark Cybertron storyline. And that was actually his death was a big part of inspiring Megatron to switch over to the Autobots, or at least renounce his, you know, goal of completely dominating the whole entire universe. Man, was it a good death? Um, yeah, I think, well, I mean, as much as anything could be a good death, it was war. So it always seems like it's completely pointless when that happens yeah yeah well starscream's having conversations with him on a daily basis now so he's having some problems and swindle got killed at the end of combiner wars but now swindle's name is being used as the rallying cry for a group of decepticons who'd like to get the war started up again so starscream's getting more paranoid and he's got like these secret police and so it's it's really it's getting interesting but i gotta tell you the art was really I really enjoyed the art. It is um, <laughs> Sarah Petrie Drosher, I think is how you say her name. Uh, she's doing the art, and Priscilla Tramontano does the colors. It was a great match. It, I really, I, I liked it. I, you know, I'm gonna, I've always got Alex Milne and, or Milne. I always forget how to say his name, and I keep asking, and people keep telling me, and then I forget. I'm sorry. But um, him and Livio Ramondelli are two of my favorite Transformers artists. I gotta tell you, Sarah Peter DeRocher is getting right up there with them, and that's that's saying a lot if you know how much I like those other guys. And it's a completely different style. I mean, it's, yes. it's more cartoony, and at the same time, it's more expressive. So. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, no, and it looks, it really looks excellent. I'm really 
digging it. So, and that was just the first book. So hopefully it'll, it'll, uh, we'll see more of that in the second oh. issue, which comes out fairly soon. So looking forward to that. But I need to get onto Comixology and read all the e-comics that I have not been able to catch up on for quite a while because I am so far behind on Saga. It's not even funny. Are they, <laughs> are they in the middle of a hiatus or did I miss the hiatus? Am I that far behind now? You may have, you missed, <laughs> what the funny thing is, I think you missed a hiatus and then they came back from hiatus and now I think they're in a hiatus oh again. So <laughs> Yeah, you're way behind. <laughs> you need to get oh, caught dear. up. Yes, I really do. I need to read that. I think there may even be another uh, Lucifer comic out, which is yep. so much better than the TV show out, guys. You just oh, don't know. Oh, God. Yeah, but that's talk about damning with faint praise at this point. It's not really saying a lot. Yeah, I think it's got the TV show got renewed for a second season, as far as I know. I'm not. Well, you know, I think the people who are really digging it are the people, well, no, change that. Okay. So I've heard some people who dig it, but they are people who do like the formulaic kind of police procedural sort of shows. It's like comfort watching, and that's fine. However, our friend Jade is a big fan of those shows, and she never read the comic book, which is the other thing I thought that the people who liked it had never read the comic book, so they didn't have that rage going on there. She likes police procedurals. She has never read the comic book, and she hated the show just with a violent passion from the very get-go. So I don't know, you know. Too, too formulaic. I mean, if you're going to yeah. do something as off the wall as the devil is living in Los Angeles, why would you go so predictable on everything else? It doesn't make yeah. any sense. You're already starting from this unique point, and you're yeah, just going to yeah. follow the same tired cliches over and over again. It's disappointing. But it's it makes money in a lot of ways. I mean, the success of all the Law and & Order and CSIs and NCISs and everything, they're still making money, even if they're not trying very hard. Yes. So that's And of course, if it makes you happy, then that's fine, and I'm not going to judge you for it. But I didn't no. like it. No. But is an example of of when people are cashing in on a known market and it works. The Civil War II book that is out right now over at Marvel, it's the whole thing that they're going to be doing this month. And the main book, Civil War II, written by Brian Michael Bendis, the artist by David Marquez. Holy crap, go read this book. It is, I knew when they first announced the whole big summer event, the Civil War II, I'm like, oh my God, and it's pandering and it's cashing. And then I heard Bendis and Marquez were doing it. I'm like, take my money. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah, it's really, really good. And then there is a preview comic out, which I believe is a free download in Comixology. And it's just called like Civil War II previews. And um, I, I was reading it. I'm like, I'm going to have to buy all of these books. They all look really good. And then I even read... There's like a Hercules Civil War II book out, which I'm not familiar with the Marvel Hercules character at all. And it was awesome. I really enjoyed wow. it. It was good. Story was funny. Uh, yeah. So Marvel, I mean, we're getting very close to me saying that I'm liking this as much as I like Secret Wars last year. And that's, that's saying oh, a lot. Oh, man. Right yeah. that's I've listened to your guys' podcast about the Secret Wars stuff. And yeah, yeah. it sounds fantastic. And it's another yeah. ridiculous example of exactly exactly how far behind I am on all my comic book reading that I haven't read any yeah. of it yet. That's okay. I've actually spent, because I had digital copies of a lot of those books, but I've actually spent money on graphic novels of a lot of those books because I, I liked them so much. I wanted to own them in print form. So I'll, I'll just have to send those to you at some oh, point. That'll awesome. be fine. Yeah. Then you could read up, catch up a year later. Yeah. I think the only Secret Wars thing that I've read, and I don't even know if it counts, was the... Um, Angela, Queen of Hell. It counted. That was part of it. Yeah. Is there was, any more? Is there any more Angela stuff coming out soon? Because I liked all of that. 
I I think that was the end. I mean, there was an Angela like uh, actually you're right. Angela Queen of Hell was post Secret Wars, but then that one wrapped up, and that's actually the end, which I'm actually okay with that because I wanted to. You know, I thought they ended it pretty well, um, and then we ended up having uh, Stephanie Hans did an entire issue of Lucifer, the art all all Stephanie Hans all the time. So she's going on to doing other things. I know. I borrowed a copy to read that the first time, and then I had to buy the individual issue for myself because the art is just so pretty. <laughs> yeah, it's Stephanie Hans. Oh my god, I'll, and that's. That's cool because she was working over at Marvel and finished up Angela Queen of Hell and then she jumped over to Vertigo for a while. I'm like, that's fine. Draw all the books. That's great. Mm -hmm. That's great. But other than that, make sure to check out pixelatedgeek.com for all of the podcasts and all of the photo galleries. And we are just at time of this recording, we're a month away from Comic-Con. So check out for photo galleries coming in on that one. That'll be fun. And I think we may have another Alice Isn't Dead ready to drop uh, or have already dropped? I think it might already have dropped, but we really thought that the season finale of Welcome to Night Vale needed to be recorded first. So we'll uh, we'll do Alice Isn't Dead and, oh my God, the, uh, what is it? Uh, Under the Wires, what's the name of the new podcast they're doing? Where you're Wireless a prisoner. I think you're a prisoner in a futuristic society. So I'm all yeah. about that. That sounds great. I'm in, in the form of meditation tapes. Yep, I'm going to listen to it. That'll be fine. So we'll recap all the things, but... Other than that, we will see everybody in one week. Talk to y'all later.